Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Cambridge Islamic College podcast. It has been narrated in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whenever some people gather in one of Allah's houses to recite the book of Allah and study it among themselves, then calmness descends upon them. The angels surround them, mercy covers them, and Allah mentions them to those who are with him. And some of the most recited verses of the Holy Quran are from the last chapter. Chapter. These verses are some of the first to be taught to children and new Muslims, as well as recited regularly in congregation. So what better way for us to launch Cambridge Islamic College's podcast channel than with Sheikh Muhammad Akram Nadwi's Tafsir of Juz'amma. It is often said that Tafsir requires knowledge and understanding of all of the Islamic sciences and not just knowledge of the Arabic language. Sheikh Akram expertly deciphers the intricacies of these surahs and in his unique and inimitable manner makes them relatable. So, without further ado, let's begin this journey. That hereafter, to save myself and my family from the fire of the Quran said that all believers, Save yourself and your family from a fire. The main concern is all the time the fire of hell. And in that surah, this surah, surah Naba, because you know, it's really big news. And many, all the ulama have been saying it's really big news. The hereafter, actually, the fire of hell is a big news for the people. So I stopped here of this explanation and if you have any question about these three points which I am explaining, please ask then we we'll start the surah inshallah. Okay, uh, the format for questions is that we will take one question each from brother and sister inshallah and we will alternate. And if you have a question, either uh, you can put your hand up or come into the mic or you can send written questions inshallah. Okay. Who has question? No question? That's good. Everything very You know, the thing actually is, uh, there are certain things uh, which are the main concern of the Quran. If you start from that and make main concern, and then also you give the importance to other things uh, as they deserve, there's no harm in that. But if you leave the main concern and you start some, from somewhere else, simple thing basically, is, you know, I've been teaching this all the time here, always start from the beginning. Like for example, well, I'll give you an example. I, I know in India, Jamaat Islami very well. And also some of my friends who are there still in, in, there in, in Jamaat Salami and, you know, and actually I appreciate their work a lot. Because they made from the beginning the main concern Islamic State. Or they said Nidhan Mustafa or something like that. Main concern Islamic State. And all the writings of Mawla Madhu Rahimullah and other people, they have been in that direction. But Jamaat Islami always felt that the people who become the members of Jamaat Salami, they don't have any spirituality. They have nothing there. They basically all the things. There's something lacking. So they always used to have training camps where they can train people for spirituality. But all those training course, tarbiyah course, training course that they, have, they always failed. Now actually something else, again they started, again it's going to fail. 
reason basically because the thing is when you make mind of your people from the main writers, it becomes more politician. Then you want to bring the Akhira to support you, it never can come. If Akhira is not the main, actually Akhira should be main concern, then you bring also Islam, is, you know, Islam actually discuss about everything and politics also part of Islam. Then it can work. But when you make the politics as the center thing in Islam and then you bring Akhira to bring spirituality, it never can work. You know, it, 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 it is impossible. You know, that actually, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, the, basically you can see the, you know, the, if you read the literature of Jamaat Islami, one example the, the scholars say that Jamaat Islami has got an elephant of politics big elephants on the politics and they, they want to hang the hair after in the tail of the elephant. It never can work. The big the elephant actually is the politics and you want to hang somewhere hereafter, you know, in the, in the tail, it's not going to work. You know, make the elephant a day hereafter. Then you bring everything else. We don't mind. We, we don't say that you don't need to discuss the politics, but we want there after, you know, main thing. Like Abu Hanifa, everybody says I'm a Hanafi. I give all the example. But people think Hanafi madham means to raise your hand here and put your hand here and for a kasun. This is not a Hanafi madham. Imam Abu Hanifa, the mere contribution actually is something else. Look at his piety. Abu Hanifa, Rahmullah Ta'ala, ask people among his contemporaries. They say, after Isha prayer, if you leave Abu Hanifa in the masjid and you come for the Fajr prayer, he's still in the prayer. That is what Hanafi madham means. Imam Abu Hanifa never backbited anybody. This is what Abu Hanifa is important. Abu Hanifa is not important because he used to have put his hand here and there. This is not, it's minor thing in Islam. Real thing. Now everybody says we are Hanafi. But actually the, if you look properly Abu Hanifa, nobody is Hanafi. If you don't pray after Isha until Fajr time, you are not Hanafi. If you keep backbiting, people are not Hanafi. Because we have taken the minor issue, identity. You know that if you pray like Abu Hanifa as it is written in Quduri, this prayer is never going to save you. The only prayer which can save you is Khushu. But two actually more important actually all the Sunnah the prayer which are in Nurul Idah and Quduri. But the real prayer which the Quran discussed with Abu Hanifa used to do, that's not important. And if people know 100% every single Sunnah, Mustahabbat and Makruhat according to Hanafi Madham, they memorize them by heart and they follow them, you know, but they don't pray with the Khushu, that prayer is not going to benefit them. And if somebody in their life, he never does not know Abu Hanifa's name. But he prays with khushu and follows any opinion, he will be salvated. There are hundreds of the prophets, we don't know them. And prophets are more important than Abu Hanifa Rahmanta. There the Quran only mentioned 25 prophets, uh, something like that. There are hundreds of prophets, don't know them. But ignorance of the, the name of the prophet does not go to harm us. If people don't know Abu Hanifa, it is not going to harm them. But if people know Abu Hanifa and does not pray with the khushu, it is going to harm them. And that I'm trying to say. You know, I don't mind really if people are so topi, kurta, pajama, like I as long as we really have the real thing. Make elephant from the hereafter. Then put the politics in the tail. Then it's fine. But if you make the politics as the, as the elephant and then put hereafter in the tail, it's not going to work. That is the problem of everybody, most people. We really don't. That's why I can see really most people, they don't give you example of the companions. They give you example of their own elders. Because elders' life fits in their Islam. The Islam that they present, that fits there. So if you are from Ikhwan Muslimun, the real example for you actually be Hassan Banna Shahir Rahmanullah Ta'ala, Sayyid Qud Shahir Rahmanullah Ta'ala, his writings. If you are from the Matablighi Jamaat, real example will be from Mawla Elias, from people like that. If you are from Jamaat Islami, Mawla Mawdud and people like that, because that's what fits there. But it's companions like Abu Siddiq, Umar Farooq, Uthman and Ali, Abu Badan Jarrah, and Sufyan Thawri, and Buhanifa and Malik and Shafi, all the pious people, their life does not have any meaning because they don't fit there. So that's why your elders become more important. And that's why they know many ulama warn that the way actually in contemporary Islam is rising actually is it becomes to worship the elders, not to follow them.
really people worshiping them. They're not following them. They just want to take certain identity and they want to express their belonging to those people. Islam is no doubt really to come to the Quran to make your concern what Quran makes your concern to follow the Prophet and to read the biographies of the companions of the Prophet and early generation. Don't go for it. See really what they have been doing. Because they are the people more pure than us. Then it is fine. Otherwise Islam will become now identity and then every group will fight for the identity. Because we are fighting for the identity. You know, it's nothing really. Many ulama, they are concerned that if you pray without topi, it is makruh. It is, it is need to be proven whether it is makruh or not. But I, I accept it, it is makruh. But same ulama, they have no problem to divide Muslim community on the issue of the moon sighting or, 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 or prayer time. While actually unity of Muslim is fard. And dividing Muslim community is haram in the Quran. Dividing Muslim community on this issue is haram. People never do it, need like that. You follow, you accept a haram and you are more concerned about, about, about mustahab and, uh, and makruh. And, you, uh, and don't concern about uh, haram. Division about, among believing community is haram in the Quran. Quran never likes that. Allah does not allow actually people have two jama'ah in the same masjid for no reason. Because we cannot set up our, our problem. So this I really think, we have, we, because what happened, identity has become more important. To us really it is more important to have topi rather than unity among the believers. And really we want to keep our groups. If, if any attempt, effort of unity which can make the identities and the names of the group go away, we don't like that. We want to be as we are. We really are more keen to our identity and group rather than anything else. That's not Islam. Islam actually wants one identity. That's Islam, Muslims, nothing else. Another question? There's a question online. Uh, is there a contradiction between saying that Allah Taala has sent the Quran to stress that there is no God worthy of worship except Allah and that he sent the Quran to save us from hellfire? So is there a, is there a contradiction in saying Allah sent the Quran to save us from the hellfire and also Allah sent the Quran to stress that there is only one God? No, no, it, that, no it, how, how can it Meaning basically the Quran wants to warn you the real concern for the people should be to save from the fire of hell. And how you save yourself from the fire of hell is by worshipping Allah alone. Don't worship anyone other than Allah. So that's the way how to save your, yourself from the fire of hell. And how you worship Allah alone, follow the way of the Prophet Muhammad the messenger. To worship Allah as the Prophet Muhammad has taught you, as you have learned from the Quran. It all same together. Belief in Allah, belief in the hereafter, belief in the messenger, and belief of the book, they are united the same thing, they teach the same thing. They guide you to the same thing. So the real concern should be to save from the fire of hell. And how to save? By worshipping your Lord alone. And how to worship? As the Prophet Muhammad has taught you, as it has come in the Quran. That's how we have to do. So this ibadah is the purpose of the life, and that ibadah saves you from the fire of hell. Do sisters have any questions? You can send written questions as well if you like. Sorry. No, my question is related to the I have a question. One is regarding these groups and the Shafi Abraham. Because when Sam sit in the Itaqaf and when he come back home, he asked me, Mom, who are we? Are we Hanfi, Shafi, and Muslim? Anyway, I have given him answer that we are just Muslim Father Quran and Sunnah. But I just want to know why these groups, they are not uh, teaching, as you said, according to the Quran and so on, why they are just uh, teaching about, uh, regarding, you said, the way of prayer and these things. And other ones, 
back home or here when we are teaching Quran to the children. Why this, uh, our scholars or whoever the leaders, they are not teaching with translations that they, uh, our, these children should understand these things? You know, first thing, we are not against schools. In any tradition, the schools actually are developed to help you to understand that thing. So, schools in Islam actually are there because schools are like opinions. These opinions help you to understand Islam and to follow Islam properly. There is no harm in that. But actually we don't like it to make the schools identity. And then the schools have become more important than the real message. That actually I am criticizing. There is no harm to follow Abu Hanifa Rahmullah if you follow him and he helps you to become more pious. There is no harm to follow Imam Malik Rahmullah if following him helps you to become more pious. There is no harm in that. Actually, if it helps you, it is good. Actually, you get reward and they also get reward for that purpose. But if it only helps you to keep your identity and you keep saying, I am Maliki, I am Hanafi, uh, but nothing actually, Islam is not there, only keeping symbols, then actually it is useless thing. It is not, it, it, it not something beneficial. So there is no harm to keep the schools as long as the schools help you. Like, you know, in any, any, any discipline, any branch of the knowledge, in science, in, you know, in economics, people have schools. And though the schools very often they help you, you know, to, to understand the discipline more and more and argument and debate really to, make, to help you to clarify your argument to, you know, to, 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 to improve your arguments. So similarly in Islam, many of these schools really when you have debate and all those, they, they make you to improve your arguments as long as they help you. But if the schools become more important, the deen actually becomes a secondary thing, then they are harmful. And at the moment I am thinking that actually schools have become more important than the real, madhab has become more important than the deen basically. Madhab has become opinion, madhab or school, they have become more important than the deen. If it is like that, it is harmful. People have to learn deen before they learn the, their madhab. Second thing actually you write that when people learn the Quran, they should make effort to understand the message of the Lord. Though, even if you don't know the meaning, you know, it is still your prayer is fine. And a word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, word of your creator, you know, you get reward for that. But really, it's very, in, in, it's really uh, something uh, that, you know, we have got this life really. And message come from our Lord. We don't make effort to understand. You know, for in our time, really, people just for economic uh, reasons, they are learning Chinese language. And Arabic is much, much, much more easier than Chinese language. And we don't make effort for the day hereafter to understand the message of our Lord, to, to understand the Sunnah for Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to, you know, to read the book. And actually, if you don't read Arabic language, learn Arabic language, don't read this thing, then you depend on other people. Whatever people explain to you, this is Islam, you depend on them. You know, people should make effort to understand this language. And anybody, if people really are serious, because you know, we save, we waste so much time. If really you are save your time, we don't say don't earn money. Go do work, but the time that you're spending on the TVs, on the internet every day, one or two hours, just we ask you to save that time and spend that time in understanding Arabic language, learning Arabic language. Inshallah, within two, three years, we will be able to understand the message of your Lord. Some Arabic which can help you and then you can improve later on. So people have a possibility, but people don't want to do. If you cannot learn Arabic language, which actually should be everybody's concern, the second thing, no doubt, at least try to understand, you know, the, the surah that you are learning in your prayer, reading your prayer, understand what message there, what meaning is there. So when you stand in the prayer, you know the message, you can follow that. So, you know, no doubt, really, school system should be somehow, the, when people memorize few surahs from, you know, from the last Jews, they also should teach the meaning of those surahs that actually important. But if they don't do it, still, you know, they are doing something. But I really say that, you know, it is better to treat translation so at least people understand the meaning and some meaning and some message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hello. You just mentioned that uh, people give more importance to the mother than deen. Can you explain the difference between deen and mother? You know, deen, because, because you know, the thing is, it will take a lot of explanation, but the simple thing, basically, deen is what is, is some, your submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And madhab is basically 
details, minor details of that deen. So, like for example, the prayer is deen. But how to pray? So, there are certain details which have come in the Quran, certain details which has come in the Hadith at Parsalarsam, and some details which have been understood properly and answered something by Abu Hanifa and Malik and Shafi and Muhammad Rahmullah. So, these are basically what you call madhab. So, in what has come in the Quran and Sunnah and what has been the main, main, main foundation of the religion, that deen, usulu deen basically, like taqwa, piety, fear of Allah, khushu, amana, sidq, and all those things, they are the usulu deen, they are the real deen. And then, you know, how then juziyat and furu and the minor branches, and then how to understand them, they are madahib. If, in madahib, if you do mistakes, not a big thing, even still you get reward. If people do in ishtihad and they do a mistake in the minor branches, even they do mistakes, they get reward. It's not such important, but even mistakes can bring reward. Real thing is your sincerity, your ikhlas, your khushu, you know, your taqwa, your piety, your fear of Allah. That's what religion is. If you do mistakes there, you are not a believer. You are probably in Islam. In Madhab, if, if you, then I'm trying, trying to say really, if you don't know Abu Hanifa's name, it's not going to harm you. If you don't know Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, or Hanbal's name, it is never going to harm you. But if you don't know what taqwa means, what khushu means, and how to pray with taqwa and khushu, it is going to harm you. And by mistake, actually, some people think these minor issues, that is the prayer of the Prophet. Some people have written a book, The Prayer of the Prophet, and they think this is how the prayer used to be. No. His main prayer used to be the khushu. If that is not there, it's not the prayer of the Prophet. This thing is that how much you raise your hand and how much space between your two feet, that is not the main prayer of the Prophet. His prayer should, should be something different. He did not have any comfort in anything other than the prayer. He used to say, Ju'alat qurratu fi salah. He used to say, Arahna bihaya bilal. So that's the main concept. So anyway, the difference, madhab basically opinion. Madhab means opinion. Like in every discipline, you have opinions of the people. Similarly, in Islam, you have got opinions of the people, but they're experts. Eh? To respect their opinion, as long as those opinions can help you to follow your deen. Questions? Can I just ask one question? Yes. Yeah, one second. I think, I just wanted to know, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, leave things open to interpretation. So, we can repeat the question. Yeah, I just wanted to know why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leave many things open to interpretation where we do have these problems where people are following more madhab than deen? You know, this actually, I, you know, we, but I think if you start like that, but anyway, I answered a question. Allah wants to want to test people. He wants to test people. He actually has revealed the main deen there. But at the same time, He also wants people to think. So, you know, the minor issue, he does not want to make the book very huge and thick, 20, 30 volumes of the Quran. He just wanted to make the main guidance in the Quran and the minor details which are not so important, they can be explained by the Prophet himself. And sometimes, you know, if you have people who are, you know, in this religion, the ulama scholars, they can do this thing because they are not so important. But otherwise, if you want to make every single issue, you, one Quran is not enough, then you need hundreds of copies like that. And you can say books of the fatwa, how many volumes are there, and then each madhab, how many they have got. The Quran not enough, you know, for guidance you need something which easily people can learn and study and you can then carry everywhere. But the details, and the most details which actually have been developed, the madhab is because of not following the deen. If you look at the Kitab salah in Hanafi madhab, the main core of the Kitab salah actually is what in the Quran Sunnah. The why it has become so long, it actually answers those questions which come because people don't follow. If you do this mistake, what will happen? If you do this mistake, what will happen? To, when the fiqh has expanded throughout the ages, it is because people did not follow the fiqh properly. So when people keep doing mistakes, again, if you don't do khushu, what will happen actually is you keep doing mistakes. And if you keep doing mistakes, then jurists have to follow solution for you. So many, many answers of jurists actually have come. Most, most expansion of the fiqh is because people did not follow the deen properly. That has come. So you never, unless you never can reveal a book with all the mistakes of the people.
you know, that is natural. And also Allah wants to test people. That you know, test must be there. So this is deen and this is sharia. This is your people's madham, which is more important. And how you going to pe- that's why people have to think all the time. Don't fi- follow people blindly. Keep thinking. Does it make sense to you or not? Why it is important that you know, we follow certain school? Why it is important? Learn this thing. Understand Allah wants people to think properly. Use their mind. Ibadah only can be done when you think. If you don't think, it never can be ibadah. So Allah, Allah does not want people to f- follow blindly. He wants to think. And thinking actually, can, if you think properly, you can understand. So understanding only comes from thinking properly. So it is need there. You know, madhab actually is a natural thing anyway. And also many things need more flexibility. Two, three different ways. So people can be flexible to follow any of them. basically is you know this really you know again you know I, I, my intention was not to open the door of madhab and school i just wanted to focus on the hereafter uh, but you know because it is it, it, it not it, it, this thing actually needs more explanation. if i don't explain properly people have misunderstanding people will think i have no aqidah you know but the simple thing basically is the aqidah issue uh, many many issues in islam came not because islam wanted them they came because so many problems happen and ulama wanted to solve the problem so when the philosophy and greek logic and all those things they become part of islamic islam and then Mu'tazila and all those shifts came. So then people discussed those issues which were raised by these people. But otherwise, you know, those issues, they are not Islamic. Islam does not have theology. Islam does not have kalam. Islam does not have aqidah. Aqidah and kalam, they came in Islam later on because of the questions which have been raised by the people. If Muslims don't know aqidah and kalam, that's, you know, that's better for them. Imam Ghazali says, don't teach people aqidah and kalam. Only one or two people in the community, they should know to answer the people of the Bida'a and Khurafat. Most people don't need any Aqidah Kalam. Aqidah Kalam is actually a useless thing. 99% Muslims in the world, 99, or maybe more than 99% Muslims in the world, they don't know Aqidah. But they believers, they're fine. They don't know what Ashari means, what Maturidi means. If you go to the village in India and Pakistan and everywhere, people don't know anything. People are Muslim without Aqidah. So Aqidah was only made for, you know, for a very small purpose and a tiny purpose to answer the questions of the people of the Bidah and something like that. But it is not something that everybody should learn. So in a community, we need one person or two people who know some of those things. They can answer, they can defend Islam. Most people just they need to learn how to do wudu, how to do prayer, how to do ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So similarly, madahib, you know, people basically need to how to pray. You don't need to know, know details of everything. Some ulama need to, ulama should be there. Most people just, just need to how to pray. If you don't know Hanafi Madhab, learn from Maliki Madhab. If you don't have Maliki Madhab, learn from Shafi Madhab. If you don't have any Madhab, learn from your Imam. The one Imam is there, learn from how to pray and just follow him as, as, as long as he's got knowledge. That's what we need from the people. So that's why these things are, but these differences, they are not really to be taught all the time and keep the difference alive in the community. That's not the purpose. But somehow, later on, it became like that. Was my, my thingy as well, like the aqidah is not uh, like I didn't really think about the aqidah. Mm-hmm. The simple things, but when I, with my children, like when we start asking, what is Allah? Yeah, like my children, we're asking me, mm-hmm. and I just, some things, yes, uh, so it should go to the aqidah, and after that, when I start listening about, about the
something. No, it is not a clear case. It is not something. It is. Don't answer this question in the light of aqidah. Answer this question naturally as there in the Quran. If somebody, a child asks you where Allah is, say Allah is in the heaven. Simple. And then if he does a mistake, say Allah is everywhere, he sees what you're doing. So say Allah is in the heaven. Sometimes you can use this sentence, like the Quran, use that sentence, you know, Allah is Mustafa Andarsh or something like that. Sometimes you can say Allah is with you all the time, you know, be, be very, very careful. Just like you don't need any argument. If he asks you why, don't answer. Because some uh, things people know when they grow. They don't need to know that. There are many, many questions of Aqeedah, they only will be known to the people when they die. And because people want to know them before the death, there are the problems there. Because most of those things you can't know before death. You only can learn when you die. So similarly, if a child is 10 years old, and he teach him what he needs that time. How to do wudu, how to pray. If he ask about Allah subhanahu wa tell him Allah is in heaven, he's on the throne. If ask more, say, you know, sometimes you can say Allah is everywhere, he, he sees you. And then be quiet. If he keeps asking, be quiet, teach him all those things. One day he will learn actually about those things. They will be deep in that. But don't, uh, don't uh, teach them the questions and the uh, discussion and the argument. And the no, yeah, just, just like simple thing. Simple thing is Allah is in the heaven. That's all. Yeah, but this, this is what I mean. No, no, you like, because sometimes maybe we do mistakes like can, we can, if I don't know, I can say Allah is everywhere. Yeah, you can say that's fine. Both are fine. If you say Allah is in heaven, sometimes you use that something. When you need to say that Allah is very high, to say that. If you want to tell your child that you know Allah knows everything, then you say Allah is everywhere. Both are, have been used in the Quran. So Allah is in the heaven and also Allah is everywhere. Both things are, for us it's not possible. But for Allah, you know, both are the same thing. Allah is in the heaven, but at the same time, he's everywhere. Because, you know, he knows everything. So you don't need to go in detail. Because once you start explaining, aqidah will come. Then problem will come. Allah does not, because these things only people will know when they die. Before the death, they never can comprehend the knowledge of their Lord. You only can know those words which have been mentioned in the Quran. Just keep saying that. When he asks, say Allah is in heaven. Or sometimes Allah is everywhere, but don't go in detail. What does Islam say about beer? <laughs> well, beer has come from. You know, we are talking about the day hereafter, about the day of judgment, all those things. And that actually I'm trying to say that don't make Islam symbols and, and all those things, but keep, keep coming all the time. Topi and, and, and the beard and the kurta and pajama, that actually what, what has become. You know, the Quran never teaches about, about beard anyway. The Protestants actually, the, the ulama have been saying, no doubt, you know, growing beard is sunnah. But you know, the word beard means, you know, people actually mix between two things. There's the fiqh and the Arabic language. What the people of the language do, fuqaha, fuqaha only have to use Arabic language as Arabs use. So fuqaha only can say, you have growing beard is sunnah. But what beard means, ask people of Arabic language. What Arab means by beard. That's what beard means. Don't, fuqaha have no right to define the beard. Because that actually part of the Arabic language. Further, similarly, when Quran says, wash your face, the fuqaha can say, washing the face, is obligatory because Quran says. But what face means, fuqaha have no right to define that. They should go to an Arab and you know properly the time what they meant by face, that what face means. What means washing, you don't need to define. Ask Arab people what washing means. The Quran has been living in Arab people's language. Fuqaha have taken actually both tasks. They want to explain the commands of Allah, the Father, Wajib, Sunnah, Ahkam, and also they want to define the language. And that is the problem. That was never can define, they never agree. What face means, Fuqaha never have been agreed. Reason because you are taking unnecessary thing upon you. Face is Arabic language word. Wajah means an Arabic something. Ask Arab people. What hand means? Ask Arab people. What washing means? Ask Arab people. What must means? Ask Arab people. 
for kaha only can say doing must is wajib. But what must means, this is what Arabic language says. What washing means, Arabic language says. What beard means, ask Arab people. But you can say growing beard is sunnah. The person used to have you know, long beard, whatever you can say like that. But don't define this from yourself really. Leave it with the people of the language. That I'm answered. A problem to happen when the folk defined that and then not read. They made their definition as the most authentic one. And then they started measuring everybody according to their own definition. Their definition not in the Quran Sunnah, it's definition made by you. Ask Arab people. And mostly Arab people, if somebody has did not shave his beard for a few days, they will know this person did not shave. They don't set his beard. But if somebody has grown the beard, they say, oh, this person has got beard. If people say about someone that he has got beard, that he has got beard. You know, this thing that how you measure, this never can come in, in the Quran Sunnah. So people have to understand that Fuqaha only can explain to you ahkam. What fard means, what sunnah means, what wajib means, what haram means, what makruh means, what mubah means. But the matter of the language, leave it to the people of the language. Language people will tell you what it means Arabic language and then follow that. Is it clear? We hope you enjoyed today's lecture and pray that it will be beneficial to you. Remember to tune in for the next one. For more insightful content in full HD quality on tafsir and other Islamic sciences such as hadith, fiqh, Arabic prose, grammar and morphology, as well as Islamic history, female scholarship and much, much more, subscribe to our unique streaming platform on www.deepdeen.tv. That's D-E-E-P-D-E-E-N.tv. Don't forget to visit www.cambridgeislamiccollege.org and show your support. Please click on the donate button and give whatever you can. Our institution is dependent on the generosity of donors like yourself.